Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the June edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. Starting with the front page of the June Eagle, Funding and Support Help Gator Farm Reopen After Blaze. This was written by Emil Warner. In the early morning hours on Tuesday, April 18th, what is believed to be an electrical fire began in the reptile barn of the Colorado Gators Reptile Park. An employee living nearby noticed his power was out and went inside the reptile barn where he discovered the fire. The fire department arrived within 20 minutes and, as they moved in to fight the fire, they found themselves tripping over tortoises. It quickly became an effort to grab up all the terrestrial turtles they could find and carry them to safety. Despite heroic efforts by the first responders, more than 180 animals were lost in the fire. Of the several dozen lizards living in the reptile barn, only one survived, a caiman lizard aptly named Phoenix. The day after the fire, co-owner Aaron Young found a tortoise named Thing Four, which had survived the fire. These small victories were cause for celebration among so much sadness and loss. It could have been much worse, however, as the fire remained contained to the single structure. The Mosca Hooper Volunteer Fire Department did a fantastic job of saving our other buildings, says owner Lynn Young, who founded the Gator Farm with her husband Irwin decades ago. They also called in Alamosa and Center Departments. We are extremely grateful to all of them, she adds. These efforts saved hundreds of other animals, and no alligators are known to have been injured during the fire. In the aftermath of the fire, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, called for Colorado Parks and Wildlife to investigate the park and revoke its permit to prevent it from reopening. PETA has frequently targeted what it calls roadside zoos as having unsafe and unhealthy living conditions for animals and cited a previous occurrence where alligators died due to a clogged hot water pipe during cold conditions. CPW responded to these allegations and is allowing the gator farm to continue operations. In a statement made to KRDO.com, CPW reports that the Colorado Gator Farm is a licensed zoological park. It is subject to inspections from CPW, has met all the minimum requirements to maintain its license, and has accommodated additional recommendations made previously by CPW. Through its inspection, CPW has found no prior violation that would have led directly to this fire, they said. This is a heartbreaking time for the Gator Farm, but it is only one chapter in a long history of hard work, dedication, and service to animals and community. In 1974, Irwin and Lynn Young came to the San Luis Valley with their four young children and a live haul truck full of tilapia a type of African perch popular in many culinary dishes. They had experience raising fish in Texas, and Irwin had studied the geothermal waters of the SLV and decided that raising tilapia to sell live to restaurants would be just the ticket for his family's future. After purchasing an 80-acre farm with geothermal wells, they began raising fish commercially and were soon 
faced with the dilemma of how to dispose of the fish remains that came from processing. Their answer was alligators. The Youngs started with about 100 yearling alligators in 1987, which thrived in the warm ponds created from the property's geothermal wells. Curious locals began sneaking into the property to see if the rumors of gators were true, and the Youngs saw an opportunity to share their work with the public. Colorado Gators opened to the public in 1990 and quickly became a favorite destination for visitors. Today, the park welcomes around 40,000 people each year, and some of those first gators have now grown to over 12 feet and weigh over 600 pounds. As the gator farm became established, people started dropping off exotic pets, such as snakes, tortoises, lizards, and other animals that they could no longer care for. Domestic animals were also taken in. At one point, nearly 60 abandoned emus, who were near death, were brought to the park by local authorities. The work of the park expanded from fish production to animal rescue. The youngs found themselves caring for animals that were dangerous or even illegal as pets and educated visitors about what makes a good versus deadly pet. Some of the animals that we rescue are legal to keep as pets but don't make good pets, such as the sulcate tortoise, which is adorable as a baby but can grow to 250 pounds and live to 150 years, Aaron says. The fire that swept through the reptile barn was a heartbreaking blow to the Young family and their staff. Nonetheless, owner Jay Young states, As devastated as we are, we still have 500 animals to care for, and they rely on us. Even with all the loss they are coping with, the Gator Farm continues the work of animal rescue. Just days after the fire, they accepted a Euromastix lizard named Mushu, that was in need of a new home. After the fire, a GoFundMe account, which is gofund.me slash 7965FF70, was set up and quickly raised almost $60,000. Private donations and support poured in from across the SLV, the country, and the globe, with words of support from adults and youth who fondly remembered their visits. Insurance will not come close to the actual cost to rebuild the reptile barn, and much more support will be needed to revive the Colorado Gator Farm. The Colorado Gator Farm was able to reopen just 10 days after the fire and continues to welcome guests as demolition and rebuilding work allows. It is advised to call before visiting the park. That number is 719-378-2612. Or you can check their website coloradogators.com or you can email them at colog8rs at gmail.com Continuing with front page news DOLA grant benefits Living Wisdom Village this was written by Karen Barbie a multi-million dollar grant will enable the development of the Living Wisdom Village in Crestone the vision of this project speaks to enhancing quality of life for people 55 and older by providing affordable in-town housing, fostering social interactions, and providing seniors with the opportunity to share their skills and life experiences with the community. The effort to move the idea for affordable senior housing to a fully constructed village has been supported by many people. 
The result of all this work will benefit both those who will call the Living, Wis the Living Wisdom Village home and the greater community. Embracing the contributions that seniors have to offer and encouraging multi-generational relationships encapsulates the nature of Crestone as a place where people care about and help each other. Crestone Peak Community Housing, CPCH, reached its fundraising goal for the Living Wisdom Village project through the award of a Colorado Department of Local Affairs, DOLA, grant for $4,533,029. This accomplishment required much dedication and tenacity from the evolving boards who have worked on this project over the years. Kirsten Schreiber, chair of CPCH, stated, It was really important for us to receive the money from the state. It means there is no need to obtain a long-term loan to cover construction costs, which will enable CPCH to keep rents low. Once operational, Living Wisdom Village will sustain itself through the rent received from the residents. There are currently 50 people on the interest list, with 20 units being built. Preference will be made to seniors living transitionally, people from the Crestone Baca community, and those who have lived here previously and would like to return. The land for Living Wisdom Village is located near the Crestone Charter School. Land use approval was received from the town of Crestone in 2021. A land blessing and groundbreaking ceremony will be held in early July. CPCH is very grateful to its supporters for the generosity of their donations, which enabled the nonprofit to attain the 25% cash match required to access the state grant. The directors of CPCH and its executive director extend a heartfelt thank you to all the individuals, foundations, and the state for the donations and grants that have created this success for the Living Wisdom Village project. Construction is anticipated to begin in late July 2023. And we have some news from the SLV Foods Coalition. New staff at SLV Local Foods Coalition. Things are changing in the world of local foods for the better. The San Luis Valley Local Foods Coalition, SLV LFC, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering an equitable local food system that restores the health of the people, community, economy, and ecosystem. With the coalition's executive director of more than 13 years, Liza Marone, taking office as Swatch County Commissioner, Max Gibson has joined her in co-directorship. Max brings a wealth of experience in community development, food systems, and local policy change. He has worked in several organizations across Colorado, Africa, and the Middle East to promote local agriculture and access to healthy foods, and is excited to lead the coalition alongside Liza over the next year. Max is joined by six other new team members who bring different skills and expertise to the organization. Armando Vigil, Education Coordinator at the Rio Grande Farm Park works to develop educational programs and resources that support local food production and community farmers. Armando has coordinated a robust lineup of workshops during the farming off-season and will be leading the Rising Stewards Summer High School program. Jay Sanders, Community Food and Ag Assessment Coordinator and Director of the SLV Seed Exchange, focuses on understanding the current state of the local food system.
Jay works with food and ag system participants in identifying areas for improvement across all six counties of the San Luis Valley. Delia Torres, Marketing and Outreach Coordinator and Lead Organizer of Mercadillo and El Rio uses her 13 plus years of social media and online marketing skills to spread the word about the LFC's programs and resources. Gerald Montoya, Finance Director and Adams State Alumnus, ensures that the organization's financial resources are used efficiently and sustainably. Josh Pfeiffer, Equity Coordinator, strives to ensure that the benefits of the local food system are shared fairly across the community. Josh is launching Alamosa Open Doors, a program to work with major employers, retailers, and service providers to review and update their policies and procedures to ensure that all manner of customers, clients, and employees are welcome. The newest addition is Maria Carjalios, who moved from New Jersey to join the Valley Roots Food Hub as their Community Supported Agriculture CSA, Fresh Box Coordinator and Renewable Energy Coordinator. The Local Foods Coalition is utilizing its stellar team members, new and old, to make local and regionally grown food more accessible to the community. Through programs including the Rio Grande Farm Park, Valley Roots Food Hub, the Mokai Food Truck, Cooking, Cooking Matters, and the Community Food and Agriculture Assessment, the organization is well positioned to make a significant impact on the local food system in the coming years. Find out more on the web at slvlocalfoods.org or on Facebook. And now we have library district news from Northern Swatch County Library District. This is written by Sarah Cohen Fry, Northern Swatch County Library District. Be sure you follow the Northern Swatch County Library District on Facebook for up-to-the-minute new releases, notifications, and events you won't want to miss. Recurring Programs Summer Storytime for ages pre-K to 3rd grade every Tuesday at the Swatch Public Library at 10 a.m. Lego Club every Tuesday at the Swatch Public Library at 11 a.m. Summer Storytime, ages pre-K to 3rd grade, every Wednesday at the Baca Grand Library at 10 a.m. Cosplay and D&D &D coming in July to the Baca Grand Library. And there's Free Food Friday all day, every Friday, at both libraries. Special Events We have the Call of the Wild Outdoor Skills Program, June 13th at both libraries, noon to 2 at the Swatch Public Library and 4 to 6 p.m. at the Baca Grand Library. This is for ages 7 and up. This course will teach a variety of outdoor and survival skills depicted in some of the world's best-selling outdoor-themed books, such as Call of the Wild, The Hunger Games, My Side of the Mountain, and Hatchet. And there will be a community flea market on Saturday, June 24th at the Otto Mears Park in Swatch from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Tables are $10. Call the Swatch Public Library at 719-655-2551 to reserve yours. Library hours and closures. Both libraries will be closed on Monday, June 19th in honor of Juneteenth National Independence Day. Baca Grand Library hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Swatch Public Library hours are Monday to Friday, 
10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturday 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Masks are welcome but not required. And we have this news from the Crestone Artisans Gallery. Crestone Artisans Gallery grant brings art projects to Crestone Charter School. This was written by Joni Franks. It's an exciting time here at the Art Gallery as artists work together with community members on our ongoing grant project. When this grant project is complete, the Art Gallery Gardens will have a new concrete couch, bench, planter, and table, all enhanced with beautiful tiles painted by local artists, students, and any community members who wish to participate in this free and fun project. With the support of several gallery artists, Crestone Artisans Gallery recently set up classes at the Charter School to teach tile painting. The kids had a great time. Look for pop-up tile painting events to be held this summer's Saturday market as well as other outdoor community events that will provide fun for the whole family. Thank you again to the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority in Alamosa for the opportunity to bring the community together for this art installation and a special thanks to our landlords for giving us the opportunity to create outdoor art for the community to enjoy. We invite all community members to be a part of the art installation for future generations to enjoy. Crestone Artisans Gallery is open seven days a week from 10 to 6 during the month of June. More on the Saturday Market. Come on downtown to the Crestone Saturday Market. Downtown Saturday Market off of Galena Avenue is your Saturday morning destination location for music, food, plant starts, veggies, mouth-watering bread, lemonade, cookies, herbs, jewelry, cosmetics, massages, clothes, crystals, haircuts, and much more. There is something for everyone, and a big part of the fun for, of the market is that beside your favorite regulars, there's often one-time vendors with garage sale items or travelers from afar passing through with exotic wares. Free to all vendors. First come, first served on all spaces. Usually runs from around 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. You never know what will be there, so come and see us on Saturdays. As always, family-friendly. The town of Crestone requires all dogs to be on a leash. We will see you there. And we have this from the Crestone Historical Museum and Welcome Center, written by Jim McAlpin. The Crestone Historical Museum and Welcome Center will be serving up local history to vendors and locals alike in its 13th year. This started on Friday, May 26. Over the winter, we acquired various historic publications, most mailed to Crestone subscribers in decades past. 1930s Reader's Digest. 1930s through 50s, Life Magazines, 1938, 42, 46, 50, and 52. 1940s, Yank Magazine, British Edition, 1944 and 45, published for our overseas soldiers. 1960s, Stars and Stripes, 1963, JFK Memorial. 1960s through 1980s, Underground Comics, Boomers will remember these. 1970s to present. National Geographic's 82 new issues. 2000's Sacred Earth Journals, 2008, 2011, and 2020. And the 2020's Emmy Savage Book, Walking the Stations in the San de Cristo Mountains. Then, as now, local residents wanted to know what was going on in the world outside the valley. These add to our local history archives, the Baca Grand Newsletters beginning in 1971, and the Crestone Eagle back to 1990. We have the Crestone Trivia Game, The End of the Road, created by the Link class of 2005, maybe the last surviving copy. 
Summer 2023 is predicted to be a big season for visitors, so if you want to be a museum volunteer, email Jim McAlpin at mccalpin at geohaz, that's g-e-o-h-a-z dot com, or text 719-588-4279. Now turning to Hatakande Universal Ashram News. Fire and Moon Ceremonies Planned for June The ashram wishes to thank all who participated in our spring online fundraiser auction. It was a great success and we appreciate your support. The temple is now open daily from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. The Mahalakshmi shop continues to be open daily from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We are honored to have the chairman of the Harakan Samaj, Dr. Arvind Lal, come from New Delhi, India to visit the ashram. We will have a special fire ceremony on Thursday, June 22nd at 10 a.m., followed by a meal. All are invited to come and meet him. You are also welcome to come to the New Moon Fire Ceremony on Saturday, June 17th. The ceremony is followed by chanting and a light meal. A phone call ahead of time is helpful for our planning, but not necessary. You may also attend our smaller daily fire ceremonies. The time on those is variable, so call the ashram beforehand to get the start time. Most of the fire ceremonies are live streamed at, on Facebook. For the latest ashram updates, refer to our newsletter on our website at babajiashram.org. To see our live stream offerings, go to the Harakanda Universal Ashram Facebook page. If you sign up there, you should be notified of the daily fire ceremonies when they go live. There are also many excellent satsangs with devotees, people telling stories of Babaji, Aradis, mantra recitations, and chanting on the Ramladi Wood YouTube channel. The Maha Lakshmi shop is open daily from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. You can access many of our products online at mahalakshmishop.wazala.com. Dot com. We are also happy to take photos of items for you. We appreciate your patronage of the shop as it is a major support to the ashram. We invite you to connect with us to learn more about the ashram, Sri Babaji and the Divine Mother at our website www.babajiashram.org or give us a call at 719-256-4108 or you can email us at info at babajiashram.org. We love to hear from you. Boli Baba Kajai. And now taking a look at the community calendar. Wednesday, June 14th, CEOLP Monthly Hybrid Meeting in person and Zoom, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., Little Shepherd Church, 719-588-7415 for information. On Sunday, June 18th, Happy Father's Day. And on Saturday, looking ahead June to June 24th, CEOLP registration party at from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Elephant Cloud Cafe. You can also email them at informedfinalchoices at gmail.com. Saturday, June 24th is also the Baca Groundwater and Sanitation Meeting. But backing up a little bit to June 21st, we have the summer solstice. And we have a note from the Eagle Team. Join the Eagle Team. Get involved and make a difference with your nonprofit community newspaper. 
Board of Directors, Editorial, Sales, and Community Outreach positions available full or part-time. What are your talents? Let us know. Send inquiries to CrestoneEagleCM at gmail.com. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.